Hello, hello, and welcome to Applies Job Bytes. We're a podcast that covers jobs, job searching, the job application process, career growth and development, and almost everything in between. Our show is sponsored by Apply.io, the free browser extension that helps you apply to jobs with a single click and writes really good cover letters for you using AI. We hope you enjoy the show. So hello and welcome to another episode of Applies Job Bytes. I'm Jean, your host, and with me today is Tegan Bartos. Tegan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. So Tegan is a certified career management coach and resume writer. Tegan has been a career coach since her college days and spent eight years working in the Department of Labor uh, in the US. Tried recruiting for six months, but then left to start your own career coaching and resume writing business called Jolt Your Career. I guess the burning question for me, Tegan, is that, and we've covered on the show, there's a lot of sort of, I guess, cardinal sins, really obvious issues that people and mistakes that people make with a C, with their CVs, you know, like typos, things that should be glaringly obvious. But what are some of the more insidious or, or latent or sort of ninja-esque mistakes that people make and they don't even realize that it could be doing harm to their application chances? Sure. So I think the number one mistake people make outside of those basic fundamental things is by having their CV look like a job description. No one wants to um, be told what you were supposed to do. They want to know what you actually were able to accomplish. So, um, so having your format in a way that tells the story, but focusing on your achievements and quantifying wherever possible so someone can understand your scope, responsibilities, how that changed throughout time at that organization. So kind of quantifying um, accomplishments? Yeah, so anytime you're responsible for something, typically there's a number attached to it or there's a time frame attached. Um, say you're managing a team, it's gonna be different if you're managing one intern or if you're managing 50,000 people. If you're working on a project, it's gonna be different if that project never saw the light of day or if that project you know, saved the company millions of dollars. So if you can quantify how you impacted your organization, it will prove your value. And at the end of the day, that's gonna get you the job. If you can prove what your return on investment is, you're, you're hired. What, what I'm really interested about is that you've you kind of um, operated on both sides, right? Uh, you're advising job seekers now, yet you've also had experience as a recruiter. What are some of the things that recruiters may or may not do that the average job seeker isn't aware of? Do you think there's things that job seekers kind of have wrong or they have a misconception or they just don't really know the reality of what recruiters do? So I think right now people have a really difficult time being ghosted by recruiters. And what people don't understand is recruiters have a lot to get done. So an executive recruiter, you know, maybe is only managing 15 reps, but a high volume recruiter may have a hundred reps and may be filling thousands of positions. And so if a recruiter um, ghosts you, it's probably because, uh, you know, the hiring manager might have got their position put on pause or they found a different candidate or they're just behind. And so I think that's something that a lot of job seekers don't understand. The second thing, in addition to that, is that for those high volume recruiters, so somebody who has 
maybe if they're not filling thousands of positions, but you know, somebody for lower level roles, if they're going to have 50 recs at a time, we're going to sort resumes by what the computer is ranking the candidates. So I may have a thousand people applying to a role. I'm going to rank them based on what the computer is saying is the best fit for this position and then make my calls from there because time is limited. And so we have to make a cut somehow. And that's the easiest way to do it. Now there are recruiters who will look through every single resume, but sometimes that's not possible. So I think that's, you know, that's probably a, a knowledge bomb for some people out there looking for jobs. And I think tempting for people to, to take it very personally, right? When they apply to a job, and especially if they've had a, uh, an interview, but getting ghosted just, just feels terrible and it feels so, so personal. But I think really it's, it's just a matter of kind of due process, or as you point out, that some, some recruiters are dealing with such a high volume that it becomes hard, even if it's their, their intent to give everyone personalized feedback. It's just kind of hard to do that at volume. Yeah. I, I mean, all recruiters aren't made the same. I, I, I don't think any um, recruiter has the intention of breaking someone's heart. Sometimes it, it just happens where something has to give, and if it's giving candidate feedback that that might get postponed. Um, but from a job seeker's perspective, if you email that recruiter and saying, you know, thank you again for um, interviewing me, I understand, you know, there was a better fit for the role, but if you could, could you give me some feedback? So I, I could understand moving forward what I could do better, or potentially if there's a position in the future, I still am very interested in working for this company. So that way, if another opening occurs or if a or if that candidate they selected doesn't end up working out, then you may be able to get into your dream company down the road. Yeah. So I think it kind of keeps that door open, right? And it never hurts to ask. So you kind of stand a better shot that way. Now, you, you've also written about developing a, a personal brand. And, and so this is a little bit of a pivot in terms of our conversation. But I was, I was keen to get your take on this. There are job seekers out there who may feel that they're either young, still inexperienced, or they just haven't really had a remarkable career that lends them the, I guess, the credo or the, uh, the credibility to, to think about building a personal brand. But is this something that someone can think about at an early stage just to anchor their, their name and face to maybe a, a value simple, simple and clear enough as being a, a hard worker, a responsible worker, or someone that's good, that maintains positivity in the face of adversary or an adversarial situation. So is it ever too soon to start thinking about this? Not at all. The easiest thing to do is use keywords. So say on your LinkedIn profile, for example, you're in school, recently graduated, or maybe have your first degree, say digital marketing, never had a job in digital marketing. Your LinkedIn headline can be aspiring, digital marketing strategist, and then add a couple of key words that are related to that job that, you know, maybe you're not an expert in, but you have experience in, and that's what you, those are the skills that you'll be using in your job. Same thing on your resume, or well, in Europe, it's a CV, but on your CV, you can have that target job title. So digital marketing strategist, and then underneath that, you can list uh, a tagline or a couple of words that prove your value to an organization. So maybe it's brand strategy, maybe it's a color theory, 
a couple of things that you're really excited about and you you feel that you have great potential in you can add those right on the cv right on the linkedin and that's your professional brand and and i think that um articulating that is 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 key right because there's many people where when you meet them in a face-to-face context or bump into them at a party or something it is it, it's, it's pretty easy for you to start to associate these elements with them because you're having a conversation it's face-to-face it's pretty clear he's a marketing guy he, you know he loves the domain he's you know kind of listing off books he's read and the rest but i think a lot of people don't really do themselves that kind of same level of justice online they just don't articulate this they in some cases are maybe afraid or they're uh, they're not a very strong writer so they don't write that content so uh, you know is is there a way that someone can go about breaking that barrier and actually airing that opinion online in a in a safer way is it really just about starting with your profile and then trying to branch out from there so if you're nervous about writing a linkedin profile or a, a professional portfolio whatever whatever platform you choose to use where you have your about section it's if you have headers and then fill in a couple of sentences so it's not overwhelming that makes it much easier to write and honestly it makes it much easier to read so if you have an about me section so hi i'm tegan and then a couple of things um off the bat i'm a digital marketing strategist with a passion for x y and z and then this is what i can do for you and then a couple of maybe just three check marks of things that you did in an internship or things that you did in your first job. So maybe it's optimized SEO and had viewers go from 50,000 to 2 million, whatever, whatever it may be, just three bullet points on things that you were able to do in the past, whether it be in school or in your early career and then have a what's next. So especially if you're unemployed, if you add the what's next, you can write exactly what you're looking for. I'm looking to to break into you, you know, a tech firm. I'm looking to work at, you know, a mom and pop shop, whatever it may be, and then be specific about your job titles. The more clarity you can have, the easier it is for someone to say that's the right person for me. The worst thing that you can do is be broad. You need to be specific on what your goals are, what you're looking for, because then people are going to be coming to you instead of you having to come to them. And then when you are in the situations where you're networking, when you are going to people, you can you can have a specific ask or you can be clear on what your goals are because you've already identified them. And that message is consistent across your online presence and your CV. And probably nailing that specificity is is also going to do you connecting the dots here to what we were discussing earlier. It's probably going to do you favors down the line and that you're probably going to be applying, making more specific applications to jobs that you stand a better chance of securing. Or if not, you're at least more likely to get some feedback. Yep, absolutely. I mean, the trick to uh, landing a role isn't uh, it's not a numbers game in terms of applying online. It's a numbers game in terms of how many people you're reaching out to. So I always recommend to create a target list of companies and then try to network those people. And when I say network, I do not mean, hey, can you get me a job? It's, wow, I saw that you went from this company to this company. Um, you have a, you know, an impressive career. I, or you, I would love to pick your brain. Would you like to have a virtual coffee? 
or reach out to people you went to school with, you know, alumni. So, you know, search for people who went to your same university, reach out to them. If they're working at your target company, if you say, hey, I'm also an alum, or I recently graduated, or I'm, you know, I went to this school and saw you're at this company, this is one of my dream companies, I think, but I still want to learn a little bit more. You know, I've done plenty of research online, but I would love to talk to somebody that's actually in the organization that's going to start opening doors for you. And it's a lot easier to get a job when you're referred because there's that connection and there's that, uh, there's that higher level of trust. And then really what you're doing with that sort of that soft opener is just, just getting a conversation started, right? Which can build up to, to then the point at which, I mean, hopefully they even suggest that you they go, you know what, I think you'd actually be a great fit around here. Um, how about I connect you to, to the folks in HR? Yeah, absolutely. If you, if you don't know them personally, I always recommend make it about them. If you have a way to make it personal, yeah, add that personal connection in and build up to having an ask. The people you can have asks for are your loved ones, are your family. So, but you need to have a specific ask. Hey, mom, dad, hey, cousins, hey, friends, hey, professors. Do you know anyone that works at this organization? I'm interested in getting a foot in the door. Do you do you have anybody that I could just talk to? Not get a job, that's too big of an ask. So have small asks, but with your family, you can sometimes have bigger asks and kind of be a little bit more pushy or with your friends. But if it's a stranger, make it about them, build that relationship. You know, it's givers are respected, takers are ignored. So if you want to come off as a policy professional, you want to make sure you're having a clear and specific ask, and you want to make sure that that ask isn't crossing an inappropriate boundary and asking a stranger to get you a job is inappropriate, but asking them, you know, could you review my profile? Could you review my portfolio? Could you, um, those things you can ask after you brief, you know, after you make it about them, you can ask them for little asks like that. But even still then asking for a job is, is, is too much. And I had seen some advice out there on, on this point about keeping that ratio to healthy balance, like giving nine times before you ask once, you know, keeping it at a, at a ratio where you do build a rep for being someone that gives and adds value and is helpful to others. So others want to help you on, on, on those occasions that you have to ask. And you can build that relation ratio easy. So whatever ratio you decide for you, maybe it's as soon as that person connects, you send them, thank you for connecting. You endorse them for their skills on LinkedIn. You comment or like their posts. You engage with them. Maybe you set up a Google alert. And so when their company or that person's name is in the media, you send it to them. Congratulations. I saw that this product successfully launched. Great job. This is awesome. So you can build that ratio up by doing little things. Well, uh, Tegan, I'd love to squeeze in one final question if we have time, which is now that you've, you've had a career of your own and experienced all kinds of different things and you're helping other people figure out their careers, what's the one thing that if you could go back in time and tell your 21-year-old self uh, this thing, what would that be? Uh, well, when I was 21, in addition to being a career coach for the Department of Labor, I was also a Bacardi girl. And so I would tell that young adult to 
network more. So every single time I was at one of those events, I, I would have been connecting. I would have been getting contact information. I would have been staying in touch on a professional basis because it sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. And in, in every single interaction that you meet, there can be value there. And it's not to be a taker, taker, taker. It's just to build genuine, long lasting relationships, even if they're casual, even if it's just once a year following up, but you never know who's going to help you in the future or how you can help that person in the future. So networking is golden. It can be uncomfortable, especially if you're on the introverted side like myself, but even if you are on the introverted side like myself, you know that you can have quality relationships and you can ask maybe one or two of those deeper level questions that really build uh, a connection that can last and can resonate in someone's mind. And so it's really never too early to start that networking and uh, sort of contact uh, book building. Exactly. I mean, think about all the people that you meet at university. If you start connecting with them and endorsing them for their skills, by the time you're out of university, you can have 99 plus endorsements on all your skills just by the peers you had lecture with. And, and you can have every single one of your professors write you a letter of recommendation on LinkedIn. You're building that profile when you're in school. So that way, by the time you have your first job, it, it, you already have a strong presence. And even if you didn't do that, if you're in your first job, it's never too late to start. Start reaching out to those people. Start endorsing them for their skills and they'll start endorsing you back. Start writing um, recommendations and they'll start writing recommendations back. I mean, write yourself a recommendation and saying, uh, you know, I know time is of the essence, but if, if you could write me a recommendation from you, it would mean a lot. Here's an example of things that I, you know, would think that you have said about me in the past. Feel free to use it or write your own. And a lot of my younger clients have great success with that. Like remembering what your professor said about you, remembering what your intern supervisor said about you and then they have a format so they get it done so much quicker and don't forget because you made it easy for them well tegan that's such great clear actionable advice so many useful examples that you've shared that can inspire our listeners it's been fantastic having you on the show i'm sure we're going to invite you back i'd be happy to thanks so much thanks so much for coming on the show thank you have a great day bye-bye you too take care hey we hope you enjoyed the show for any feedback, requests, or suggestions of things that we should include on upcoming shows, please drop us a line at contact at apply.io. Thanks, and we'll catch you next time. Apply in a single click, start and track. Your application's never write a cover letter again. 